Hello, and welcome to season two of the Green Leads podcast. I'm really excited to be back with you after a longer than expected hiatus. I originally put the podcast on hold because I was starting work on my cookbook, which I can't tell you the name of, but I can tell you will be plant-based recipes for athletes, which I'm really excited about. Is it officially done? It will be out in 2023. But while I was also writing that cookbook, I was going through something that I want to chat about today, and it's my journey through infertility, IVF, pregnancy, and then eventually having my son, Neo, who is just amazing. And I wanted to kind of talk about all of that because I know it's something that other people struggle with and they don't really talk much about, and I didn't talk much about it while I was going through it. And obviously this podcast is about sports nutrition, it's about plant-based athletes, but this affected me as an athlete. So I wanted to really kind of talk about it and hope that this resonates with some people. So let me back up, let me tell you about my journey through all of this, and then for the rest of the season, I'm going to have amazing guests on, we're going to have guests on that are going to talk about gut health, we're going to talk about bone health, triathlons, ultra marathons regular marathons, so many amazing guests. So I'm excited to get to all of that, but let me fill you in a little bit on what I've been doing the past year. And for those of you who are new, I am Natalie Rizzo. I am the founder of Green Leads and I am a dietitian in New York City. I'm plant-based. I specialize in plant-based nutrition for athletes. And that's what we chat all about on Green Leads. That's where the name Green Leads came from. It's a combination of the word green meaning people who eat plants and athletes. So welcome if you're new here. There's a lot of really cool stuff to check out in season one, but let's kick off season two. So let me tell you a little bit about my journey into becoming a parent. I started trying to conceive when I was I was over 35 years old. So that is considered quote unquote geriatric. They don't call it geriatric anymore. Actually, they call it advanced maternal age, but it's, it's, it's older than most people have kids. I thought that it would not really be an issue. I'm healthy, uh, but we tried for a while and just basically nothing worked for us. And I went through a whole series of tests to kind of figure out, is there anything wrong with me? Why are we not able to conceive? And eventually, after six months of be trying, when you're over 35 years old, they recommend that you go to a fertility specialist. Now, I visited the fertility specialist and they did a whole round of tests on me. They checked out things like my hormone levels, my fallopian tubes, a bunch of different things that is just routine when you see a fertility specialist. And they checked out my husband as well and essentially found that there was nothing wrong with either one of us. We were perfectly healthy, which at the time for me was a little bit disheartening because if we were perfectly healthy and there's nothing wrong with us and we're diagnosed with with what they call unexplained infertility, then how do we fix this? And what we found was there really was no way to fix it. You just have to move on to fertility treatment. Um, But I felt like at the time that if 
there was something wrong. One of my hormone levels was off. They could give me that hormone level and then things would get back to normal. If there was something else, I, I could, you know, have a treatment to fix it. Now, after going through all of it, I'm actually kind of happy that there was nothing wrong because sometimes those other things that are wrong, it, it takes a lot more work to fix it than you think. It's not just give someone a pill and their hormones go back to normal. So in the end, it all worked out, but nothing was wrong with either one of us. We started going through fertility treatments and we started taking some medications, which didn't work. Eventually, I did get pregnant, which I didn't know that I was pregnant, and I had a miscarriage very, very early on. And I know that this is very taboo for some people to talk about, but I'm laying it all out there. And after that is when I decided that we really needed to move on to IVF. So I had been trying to conceive for about a year at that point. And I was very, very, very scared of going into IVF. When you don't know a lot about it, you hear so much about the needles, the medications, the recovery, the, the this, the that. What is it going to do to me? Throughout all of this, I was still working out. I was still exercising. I was still eating healthy. I was continuing just living my life as normal. But when you go through IVF, there's a lot of medications involved and you're actually not supposed to exercise while you're going through the initial phase of it. So there's two different phases to IVF. The first is the egg retrieval phase, which essentially you stimulate your ovaries to create a bunch of follicles that will make it so that you can release a bunch of eggs in one cycle. Most people will release one egg per cycle, but for IVF, you're trying to get a bunch of eggs out so you can take them and turn them into embryos. During this phase, your ovaries are swelling and you are not supposed to exercise. Let me tell you that this was the hardest part of my entire fertility journey. The injections didn't bother me so much. I'm not opposed to needles. I was giving myself the needles. I was fine. But the fact that I'm going through this really stressful time, I cannot exercise, and I just feel basically like crap was really, really hard on me. Really hard on me. Uh, eventually, we went and we did our, we got the egg retrieval out. Everything was good. We got our embryos. And I was able to exercise again. But what happens is this is not just a one, two, three step process that happens in the course of a month. Since I'm over the age of 35, you have to, you don't have to, but it's recommended that you get genetic testing on your embryos to make sure that they are uh, genetically normal so that when you implant them, you have less chance of a miscarriage. So we had to go through that. And then we did, we froze our embryos and we did a frozen embryo transfer. So the whole thing basically takes two to three months. So it's not a short process. After taking over a year to get to IVF, all of this took a very long time. So we eventually got to the transfer phase and there's no rule about not being able to exercise. But at that point, you're you're just so worried about everything that you've been through that you don't want to do anything that could potentially harm the process. So to me, obviously, I think about exercise as something that helps me, but I was also thinking this is something that could potentially 
maybe if I do something too strenuous, I'm going to, you know, make it so that the transfer doesn't work. So after the transfer, they transfer the embryo and you wait to two weeks to take a pregnancy test. I also did not exercise during this time because I was too nervous to do anything too intense since I'm a runner or I do strength training with kind of heavier weights. I was worried that I was just going to mess up everything that we had gone through. And once again, that was not great for me. I didn't feel good when I was not able to perform exercise. So it kind of sucked. But in the end, it all ended up working out because our first transfer worked and we got pregnant with Neo, which was incredible and amazing. Although I had so much stress throughout the pregnancy and so much anxiety because one, I'm going through pregnancy through COVID. So it was the surge in the Delta variant. And then the Omicron variant became uh, high when I gave birth. So I kind of missed that. But it's that. And then two, you know, all the things that you do, you're just worried about losing the pregnancy. I had someone really close to me have a terrible experience with late pregnancy loss. And I'm just basically anxious the entire time. And not on top of that, I was very nauseous in the beginning. I was lucky that I wasn't too nauseous. I wasn't not to be too graphic. I wasn't throwing up constantly or anything, but I was very nauseous for a good six weeks. And really, I just forced myself to run because it helped me feel less nauseous and it helped me actually be a little bit hungry so that I could eat things because I wasn't eating anything. I was eating bread, pretty much bread, bread and pretzels. That's all I could kind of get down. Uh, But I did continue to exercise through that and I continued to exercise throughout my whole pregnancy. I, I kept thinking of pregnancy as kind of a marathon where you have to train for the end game, which is giving birth. And I trained, I continued to run up until 33 weeks pregnant, which is I now looking back on it, I can't believe that I did that. And I was running, you know, three, uh, three miles at a time, maybe a 5k, 12 minute miles, uh, very slowly, but it just helped me feel better. And it helped me stay sane. And it helped me eat. And it was just it just helped me it helped me throughout the pregnancy to make sure that I was staying active. So eventually, I ended up going and giving birth to Neo, who was actually born on my birthday. We have the same exact birthday, which what are the chances of that? And I had a C-section, which was something I just never prepared for. I thought, I'm healthy, not going to happen. The baby was healthy. I know that these things happen, but I just didn't prepare myself for it. And when it became kind of obvious in the uh, delivery room that a C-section was coming, I just broke down in tears because I was so worried about the recovery from a C-section. I heard had heard horror stories of how long it takes to recover and that it could take me months to get my ab strength back. And as an athlete, I just felt like this was worst case scenario. I wanted to get back out there. My whole carrying around this extra 20, 30 pounds of weight for the past year really weighed me down. My feet always hurt. I wanted to be free of this extra weight and get back out there and run and run a race. And I just thought, how is this going to happen if I have a C-section? But of course, I had no choice. So I had the C-section and 
I was, you know, it was hard to walk for really two weeks afterward. But then eventually I started to feel okay. And by the time the six week rolled around where I was able to exercise again, I was cleared to exercise, I felt good. And I went out and ran a 5K and I was able to do it. I was a little bit sore, but I was able to do it. And I think I attribute all of that to exercising through the pregnancy and exercising in between IVF, uh, the the egg retrieval and the embryo transfer. I just kept up my exercise routine. I kept up my nutrition and I couldn't believe it, but I felt okay. So basically two months postpartum, I put my name in the lottery for the Brooklyn Half Marathon and I got accepted, which was in May of... Um, which would be five months postpartum. And I set that as my goal to run that race. And I I did. I ran that race. I trained four to five days a week. I did speed work. I did hills. I did it all. I think I trained better for that race than I've ever trained in the past for any race because I was just so determined to get back into my pre-pregnancy state. Now, I will tell you, I am not back at my pre-pregnancy weight. And I know that weight doesn't define a person, um, but it has been hard for me to lose some of the last few pounds, which I thought could would maybe hinder my performance. And it did not. It's, it's amazing to me that it actually didn't hinder me in any way. So for anyone who thinks they have to be lighter to run faster, it's just not the case. It's not the case at all. So now I'm just, I'm about two weeks after that race, starting up the podcast again, and I'm looking forward to fall races and really just getting back into being an athlete and a runner. And also, I love being a mom. It's great. I mean, it's, it changes your entire world. And I know that any parent listening totally understands that. So that is just a short version of what I have been through over the past year or so. And I hope that that makes anyone who's going through something similar feel less alone. I know it's it's kind of weird to sometimes just talk to a microphone. And it's also sometimes weird to share these things because it's not something that people talk about. People don't really talk about IVF. They don't talk about miscarriages. They don't talk about infertility when they're going through it. And I didn't really talk about it because I didn't want to, I didn't want to talk about it. It, it, Talking about it wasn't going to help me, I felt at that time. Maybe it would have, but I just felt like it wasn't going to make me feel better because you just never know what's going to end up happening. But now that I'm on the other side of it, I feel like it's my duty to talk about it. And obviously, this is still a nutrition podcast. We're still going to cover nutrition all the time. But it's just something that personally I've been through and I wanted to share. So I hope that people find it helpful. And if you have any similar stories or questions or about anything, feel free to reach out to me on social media. I'm at Greenleets. Or you can send me an email, natalie at greenleads.com. I'm always happy to chat about these things. And I look forward to the rest of season two. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Natalie Rizzo. And if you want to learn more from me, follow me on social media at Greenleads or visit my website at greenleads.com.